Special thanks to everyone who pledged money to crowdfund the show this week, including Matt Lacey, David Walker, Tim Edwards, Zilliko Elia, Andy Hagen, Jamie Holland, Roland Roberts, Ian Wilkinson, Alistair Harding, Dan Laney, Ian Mercer and John Balshaw. There's a full list of our supporters on 361podcast.com, along with information on how to help us for as little as $1 per episode via Patreon. Hello and welcome to 361, a podcast about mobile technology and the world around it. My name's Ben Smith. I'm Rafe Blanford. And I'm Ewan McLeod. Recorded on the 20th of September 2018, this is Season 16, Episode 1, and this week we're revisiting our smart home setups. We're looking at the new tech we've added. And we're talking about how well it really works. Welcome back, chaps. How are you doing? Very well, thank you, Ben. Awesome. Hello, how are you? Good to see you both. Hello, Rafe Blanford in London's bustling Brick Lane. Very exciting to be in a new season. Yes, new season, new fresh start. Oh, yes, that's right. For season 15, the uh, awkward child that nobody talks about keeps in the loft. And season 16 now, our bright new hope. Fresh. Hugh McLeod, how is Copenhagen? You're live and direct from Copenhagen. I am live and direct, and it is, I have to say, it is beginning to get dark now. Well, good. Okay. Wow. That revelation at 10 o'clock at night. The nights are fair drawn in. It's been a lovely summer. So, yeah, still Northern Hemisphere, still functioning entirely as we left it at the, the middle of uh, season 15. <laughs> Exciting news if you're tracking that. Uh, yeah. yeah, good. Top content, lads. Very proud of this. <laughs> Might send this episode out to people as a promotional thing. Emmy nomination. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I can't believe we haven't won an award for this yet. You McLeod, <laughs> thing of the week then. Right, my thing is uh, AirPods. No, you can't have that. We've talked to those. Those are old. Boring last year. Well, no, 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 no. I think it's really important to talk about AirPods because they are, well, in Copenhagen, well, across the Nordics, they are now normal. I hear it's quite dark there. Oh, sorry. Okay. Right, so they're normal. Okay. Oh. How? Welcome to London a year ago. Come on. Really? Yeah. They sorry. were everywhere. You're kind of like, you're out of date, you're in... Mm. No, I am not. Thanks very much. There- we have the tech, you have quality of life, balance, stable government, socialised healthcare. <laughs> really good water. Yeah, good water, mm-hmm. sensible price childcare, yeah. hopes, dreams, aspirations. We have a tube system that breaks down at the drop of a hat and AirPods. Today, I think every third or fourth person I saw had AirPods. I was, I was out in the, in the real world to get a, a salad. <laughs> Mixing it with the plebs. And uh, yeah, AirPods everywhere. And they're normal now, uh, at least here in the Nordics. Yeah. I just wanted, so you say that they're, they've been normal for quite a while in London then? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely everywhere. Right. So, yeah. Okay. Well, I was in San Francisco last week and there were not as many people using AirPods as there are in Copenhagen and, Nor- and Oslo. It's oh, interesting. I, I, th- just I, feel anecdotally. Like, I feel like on the tube, you see a lot of people walking around with them now. In fact, actually, I've started to notice the competitor products. So, right. Bang & Olufsen, I think, have some little in-ear Bluetooth ones. I think there are some Samsung products. Yeah, and those Jabra. Jabra ones, And yeah. some of the kind of Kickstarter ones are starting, appearing like the yeah. Bradley mm. ones. Yeah. Are, you, are, they, are they any good? I mean, I, I'm still really enjoying the AirPods. I'm sort of now, I know all the Android users justifiably will be saying, you should pay more attention, but because I'm an iOS user and I accept being locked into that ecosystem, it doesn't matter. Like the 
value add of having the, the W1 chip and the easy pairing and the battery status reporting. I don't need anything else. Thing of the week for you, Ben? Uh, thing of the week for me is a mobile app. Have you, are you, you should really check these out. Mobile apps oh, are yeah. be all the rage. I've heard about them. They're going to be big, are they? Yeah, tell us about them. I think oh. 2018 could be the year of the mobile app. It's a really rough, ready, basic app, but it is measurably making my life better on a daily basis. So I wanted to share with you. It is an app called Geofancy. Geofancy. Okay. And it does two things and it does them really well. It lets you set up geofence zones on a map. So I drew a circle around my house, yeah. a circle around the train station, a circle around the office, and a circle around, oh yeah, the other end of my train journey. So I've got okay. different zones set up. Yeah, It uses the geolocation stuff on iOS, but I think there are equivalent apps on Android. Yeah. And when you enter that zone, it does something. And for me, it writes an entry into a calendar. And it has been absolutely amazingly useful because... Why? Well, in the bad old days, I used to have things like Google Latitude tracking my location. And I used to use that to look back at. So filling in timesheets, working out what day I was on what client site for reporting. Oh, okay. In the UK now, you can claim a refund if your train is delayed. When you get the list of delayed trains, going back and checking to see which train you were on, seeing the times when I was stuck at the station for a long time. It's one of those things that every so often I have a need to remember where I was on what day, what day of the week it was I met that person in the, in the office, what day was it that we all stayed late and fixed that live production issue at work or something. And you know what happens, you end up going back through your Slack messages or your email yeah, exactly. or whatever, yes. and you're just trawling, oh, I wish I could find some evidence of this. So I stuck Geofency on there and it now just writes a little log of where I've been into a diary. And it's so much better than having tracking turned on all the time because I've defined the areas I care about. Because I only care about when I arrived home. I only That's care about when I got into the office. I don't yes. need everything else, you know, logs. It does have that feature as well. iOS has this thing called significant locations, which identifies places you go to regularly and tracks them. Yeah, You can't access that information directly, but geolocation apps can surface it to you. But this is really handy. And if you're a proper nerd, and this is what I like, if you're a really proper nerd, rather than writing it into a diary, you can have it fire a webhook, which is a, a web request to an API. So if I wanted to be really clever, I could hook this into my timesheet system so that every day I arrive at the office, it logs a day's work. Now, I haven't done that here because I haven't had any time to play with it, but it's just been amazingly useful to look back and my diary just says, home, home, station, work, work, station, home, left. And it's even that thing of, what day was it that we went to that client site for a meeting? Oh, look, here's the day that I was at work for three hours and then a three-hour break and then went back to work. A really useful geofency. It's completely free. I think you can donate money if, um, well, if you want to use it. Well, it's $2.99. Is it? Sorry, $2.99. Okay. Yeah. The, I know when I, when yeah. I got it, it was free and they changed it, I think. But there you go. Well, $2.99, very well spent. Absolutely love it. I will say that kind of automated tracking is a real boon. I should probably um, admit to the fact now I have my own personal Slack instance, which I actually use because it's a very handy way of doing webhook integrations when things are happening. And actually, I use it with some of the uh, smart home stuff I have to log various things. But I have also been connecting it recently to some geofencing and calling some webhooks the other way. 
doing precisely what you're talking about, logging certain activities that happen. And actually, location is one of those things that can give you a lot of contextual clues and tell you what's happened. But um, it's also being used to kind of track things like uh, the number of steps and the kind of health thing. So yeah, I'm definitely going to check that out. Things of the week for me, I'm going to sort of change it. Have you downloaded the F1 app? Because I hear that's really fantastic. Oh, second thing, Ralph Blanford. If you are going to advertise things you've commercially made, I'm going to start demanding some. Actually, no, you've given us so many hours of free studio time. I think I can. Okay. All right, yeah. I just what's that about? Little, what's this F1 thing there. about? So one of the things I've been working on for the last year or so is getting the, <laughs> no, uh, no, let, let me be clear. You've worked on it for six months, but you put a year's worth of work into <laughs> it. Is uh, the apps for Formula One and the Formula One website and all the kind of platform and stuff that sits underneath it. So I rightly feel. Um, you know, somewhat proud about it. So I guess I can mention it to our loyal 361 listeners. But the actual thing of the week, I'm suffering from basically uh, tech guilt because uh, just a few days ago, my iron broke and I really needed to iron a shirt for the next day. And so I used Amazon Prime to get an iron to me an hour later. But then... What's wrong with that? Well, I I felt guilty about it afterwards because it was utilizing the gig economy and all the sort of things you're not meant to do in, you know, evil Amazon. But what? I slept a lot better that night knowing that I'd got an iron shirt for the next day. But it was also just the kind of wonder of modern day logistics. I could sit on my sofa, having checked out some of the reviews and decided which was the best one and have it all turn up an hour later. And that problem was solved for me. And I just thought if that had been, you know, 10 years ago, I mean, maybe I'd have struggled through the e-commerce and it would turned up two or three days later, or I'd have had right. to go somewhere on the way to work. And it's just that pain being taken away from that, which would have otherwise been, you know, very inconvenient and annoying to have to deal with. And it's just the fortune that we have to be able to do something like that. And I realize that is quite a London and urban centric view, but I have been impressed actually how all of these on-demand services have been becoming more and more available. And Ewan's talked in the past about Uber being available, sort of wherever mm. he goes. Yeah. And actually, I'm finding that's true with more and more services and things like, you know, Deliveroo becoming available in more areas where you're on holiday. So it was just that moment where you suddenly go, oh, that was really convenient. And you think about all the things that are necessary to make that happen. Mm. And the fact that it's you know, on a device and the sheer amount of stuff that's available. And I also hadn't been shopping, so I just added a few groceries to that same oh, order. See, that's, how, that, that's the benefit, isn't it? That's how they get Exactly, which, which saved me having to go. And of course, the supermarket's only five minutes away, so it wouldn't have been that inconvenient. But it kind of dealt with that. And having had a busy few days, it was just one of the, yeah, as I said, I did feel mildly guilty about this, but it has just taken so much pain out of the life. Yet, it's also kind of trivial because it really wouldn't have been that hard to have to deal with if I'd had to. I've got one more thing of the week. Before oh, go, we on, yeah, on. go on, go on. We're going to talk about home automation this episode, but uh, before we do, we've got one more thing of the week. 361 podcast stickers. Ooh, brand ooh. new 361 podcast stickers. Wow. Oh, yes. Have you got yours yep. there, you and McLeod? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Have they made it to Copenhagen? Don't know where they are. I've put them somewhere. Yeah. Put them somewhere really, really safe. Yeah. Excellent. So I've got my 361 podcast sticker here on my laptop. Yeah, new stickers, beautiful, transparent stickers with ooh. just the writing on just the highest, most premium quality stickers. So we did have some before, which were a bit papery and, well, okay, version one stickers, but now version two stickers. And how, I know all of you are asking with one voice, how can I get one of these luxury premium? Wow, yes, how can we? Well, Ralph Blanford, you've already got one, so you can can wait. You can join us on Twist. 
Twist is our new community that we've set up that we're, we're trialing. So we're going to see how it works and we're welcoming feedback. But come to 361podcast.com, follow the link to the Twist community and sign up. It's a message forum, just a great way for 361 listeners to talk to us, but also each other. There's been some really interesting chat on there already. There's a special channel just for Patreon subscribers. Ooh. Ooh. Nice. Patreon subscribers all got first dibs on the stickers. But to celebrate our relaunch and to apologise for going away nine months without uh, <laughs> making any podcasts. Sabbatical. Yes, having a little bit of a holiday and a lie down. We've got some stickers. You can have them for free. Join Twist. You'll see there's a thread there about stickers. Essentially, give me your address and I will send one to you for free. No, just, just are we, uh, just before, I just meant to say, are we GDPR compliant now? We will handle your data in a GDPR compliant way, by which I mean I will write your address on the envelope and then throw your message away. Not your sticker, your, the message with your address. Excellent. Yes. I'm just saying because great. I can't be part of any, you know. No, absolutely. I, I know you are a stickler for all of the rules, you McLeod. Your data will be handled <laughs> securely and appropriately at all times. <laughs> Essentially, by making sure that only I handle it and not you and McLeod, who would leave it lying on a bus somewhere. Okay, so, uh, yeah, new sticker supplier. Very exciting. They can mm-hmm. do fancy stickers made out of plastic. Okay, home automation. Yes. something we've talked about in the past, and we're going to revisit it because, well, times they are changing. At the end of season 15, mm. our coming back episode, you told us about your robot mower. Yes. The Bosch one, I think you said it was. Is it a Bosch? Yep, that's right. Is it hooked up with any of the voice assistants? I think I'm not going to say the names because we get complaints about triggering it when people are listening out loud. But, you know, the Amazon one or the Google one or the Apple one. Can you say, "Uh, mow my lawn thingy? Uh, No, no, it seems to be their own ecosystem at the minute. So I've just opened the app now. uh, It says, you know, status. It's really, really, really cool. Can you, you just you, hold that up so we can see it? You can't connect it into anything else yet, I love but this, I, it, I would presume they're going to do that soon. There really is a big red button in the middle of the, yeah, the, the it, app that says, it, it says Mo. Mo. So if, if I press this, which is it is a miracle to me, I still think, you press Mo and the thing, you know, a few seconds later starts mowing. It's just really cool. Although I've realized you don't do it in the evenings because the slugs come out and you might harm the slugs. Oh dear, yes. Because yeah, I, I did that once and I, I, I won't do that again. Slug Mageddon. But I have to strongly recommend if you have a lawn that doesn't have much sloping, yeah, it's just like if you're like a normal lawn and ideally a rectangular or you know, one that's quite easy to run a wire around it, because you do have to run a wire all the way around the perimeter of the lawn. That is a bit annoying, especially if you don't read the manual. As now, I who, not... who, Rafe, do we know that we would think there's a person who wouldn't read the manual? I can't possibly think of anyone like that. You're just in the garden, you know, power! I just glanced. In fact, I've got the manual here. I glanced over the, uh, through the manual and went, yeah, 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 fine, whatever. Yeah, yeah, on, on you go. I think I quote from some of our previous conversations, how hard can it be? Yeah. yeah. And you press let, the mow button and half an hour later, your neighbor's complaining that there's a there rogue lawnmower. Yeah. There are like complex instructions on this is how you do it. It's very German, isn't it? I mean, there is. It a, is, yeah. Here is a picture of your garden must be precisely yes. rectangular. But it is really cool. The, the Bosch one, I've got an Indigo 350, I think it is, or 400. And you know, once I read the manual and then just got the little thingies, the, the, you get little pins or pegs to, to keep the wire down. And it does kind of disappear pretty quick as the grass grows. I used to have to then kind of plug that into the charging station and then let the more charge. But th- this, I like the, I chose the Indigo because that was one of the only models available here in the Nordics 
that it was not Wi-Fi. The thing, as I mentioned last time, it's, it's got an embedded SIM. Presume it's GPRS or something like that. And so that's how my app and the lawnmower connect. So it's been updated a few times, yeah. firmware updates, which is really so smart. And, yeah. There is a little bit of a cost premium for a robo mower compared mm. to a normal row. This is not the forty nine ninety nine Flymo that you buy in B and Q, is it? No, no. So what, what did Robo Mower cost you? Uh, uh, some. I think I'm going to tell you seven hundred pounds. Let's assume seven hundred pounds. That's let me. I'll now Google it and I'll give you the actual answer. Okay. But I Uh think it was yeah something like that. Yeah. I do feel that your smart home automation budget is getting a little out of control. No, but hold on a minute, because I, I I'm not mowing the lawn myself. Okay, that's the that's the thing, right? Yeah, and how much would it cost you to mow the lawn yourself? What? I, okay, a lot of money. How much is Ewan's pride worth? Exactly. Well, this is true. Exactly, it's, right? it's an opportunity cost, I suppose. So seven thousand so, DKK to you want pounds, I presume? Yeah, because yeah, I'm I'm a international. All euros no. is fine. Oh, <laughs> I see. See, you've got your international executive hair on as well this evening. So. Exactly. That is actually, sorry, it is £833. That is quite steep. Mm. That, is, that is the Ewan McLeod. It's about £700, brackets. <laughs> or 830 Well, at least it's still cheaper than an iPhone XS Max. Oh, no, wait a minute. Wait, there's one here, uh, 4000 So, yeah. Okay, but yeah. It, it's, okay. It's, it's a fairly expensive, 4, and you need to have a flat garden and be willing to put a wire around it, and the wire is active. Okay, £476 you can also get it for, I've seen, right? Okay. So that's not too bad, right? But you, oh, yeah. you, you'd use your usual trick of going down the catalogue of the most expensive, most high-spec one, did you? No, 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 this is the three, it's the same, it's just different prices here, and I'm, I'm looking to try oh, and see it. Google um, shopping it. Okay, yeah, yeah. so you've got your robo, anyway, you've yeah, got your robo yeah. mower, what else have yes. you done smart home-wise since we last did an episode on smart home? Um, I've bought a few plugs, I forget the, the brand actually, but they, they, they've been really cool, just more plug sockets, Euro ones, because I can't use smart things, smart things don't do Euro plug sockets. So I got a compatible make, that was pretty cool. And then, yeah, that, that's, I've left it there. That's, I haven't done anything else. So, Rafe Blanford? The investment I had since we last spoke was my new Roomba, which is not the most recent one that got announced a couple of weeks ago, which is the i7, which does solve one of the pain points of owning a robot vacuum cleaner. Although this does, as I say this, I, I'm not going to come off well. <laughs> go on. That ship may have sailed some time ago, but go on. This is true. Yeah. You have to. You still have to empty your robot vacuum cleaner. And I've got one of the kind of mid-range Roombas. And honestly, it's fantastic because you set it up. It goes around three times a week. And all you have to do is empty the bin. And I will say, I've been living in a much cleaner house until you realize that it doesn't really do skirting boards, particularly the stopper skirting boards. And you run your finger along them and go, hmm, maybe I should be doing some manual vacuum cleaning as well. But these have kind of quite good mapping built into them. They're pretty intelligent. They're, you know, can recover from, you know, running over rugs and things like that. Or if you leave a shoe on the floor or whatever, it will occasionally get twisted up in a bit of paper. But just from a convenience point of view, and the price points, I think, are a little more attractive than the lawnmowers. You know, you can get them starting at about £200. I spent a little bit more to get one that was a bit more intelligent. It had the voice activation. Actually, the lesson for me was things like the voice activation are pretty pointless because you basically set it up to run. Mm. And mine is uh, based on both the day of the week and whether I'm present in the house or not, thanks to smart things. So it always runs when I'm not there. I don't get disturbed by it. It means it doesn't run into me or anything else. That's cool. 
it's just one of those things that's really great to come back and find that, you know, the crumbs that you spilt at breakfast time have all been cleaned up and it's all ready to go. But um, as I say, there is a new one out recently, which is the i7, which now will actually empty the bin for I you. I saw this. It's got a vacuum cleaner yeah. in the docking station. Exactly. And so what that's it will amazing. do is it'll suck out of the uh, kind of container and it will take about 30 times. And actually, there is something quite nice about that kind of automation because basically you can have it run every day for a month and only then we have to think about emptying, which yeah. is, you know, not that dissimilar to the schedule you'd be emptying a bin in general anyway. So I was kind of impressed that they've continued to push the boundaries there. It's really good. The other thing is there are kind of some variants around. And actually, I mean, you do tend to nickname your vacuum cleaner. I called mine uh, Kanga. What? Well, because it's Roomba Roo and Kanga from Ashdown Forest, Winnie the Pooh, so Kangaroo. Anyway, yeah, right, moving okay. on. Yeah, move on. I did yeah. get one that's actually just about mopping floors because I found it so convenient. And it does the kitchen and the bathroom floor. And basically it sprays water in front of it and is running a, effectively a wipe over it. I do feel kind of guilty about spending money on, on these kind of things. But again, it's just convenience saving. No one enjoys that job particularly. And it has given me back time that I would otherwise be spending cleaning. And it's not so much the time I care about. It's more, it's just not a, a chore I particularly enjoy doing. So I didn't do it as often as I should do. Whereas having something that's cleaning up after you three times a week, no, it's great. Rafe, you've got a modern apartment though, right? I do, although actually the new Roombas are much better at coping with uh, multiple levels and you can pick it up and put it in another room and leaving it cleaning if that's what you want to do. And I actually kind of did the cost-benefit analysis because you can either do it yourself and obviously that's cheaper, but talking to a lot of my colleagues, they say, oh, I have a cleaner come in and it does for me. It doesn't take very many weeks of paying a cleaner before you paid for your robot vacuum cleaner. And actually, it does some of the drudge work and the stuff that you kind of don't mind doing yourself, which is wiping up in the kitchen or doing a bit of, you know, whatever, suddenly becomes less painful. So my top tip would be absolutely get yourself a robot vacuum cleaner. And I've since done it for some family members and they love them too. And if you go and look online, the kind of advocacy around these things is absolutely huge. And it's the big lesson from automation, particularly in the smart home. Everyone goes, oh, that's not necessary. I'm quite happy to do that myself. Once you try it, you really, really want it. So we've got a step in, in one of our, in the main living uh-huh. room, because we have a baby throwing stuff all over the place at, at mealtimes. That would be particularly helpful. But that room has a step in it. A step, like, did you have to put sellotape or something? I was reading something. No, about I these mean, things. So How they've, do you, all, they've all yeah. got cliff detection built into them, so they won't go downstairs. What you would have to do is potentially lift up the vacuum cleaner and put it in there. In the, in the basement, but if you wanted that, right, right. You would just buy one for each level. Well, I, yeah, I exactly. was going to suggest that would probably be the McLeod mm. solution to... Down the pricing thing and over to the right-hand and side. And mine just lives under the table and pops out, you know, three times a week. And I was pretty, you know, I was somewhat sceptical because a lot of people have talked to me about it and said, you know, it's a good idea. But actually, it's also the technology has come on just enough that it's very unusual now for it to get stuck in a corner. And that may be particular to the layout of my flat, but talking to people... They are just more reliable. And also, Roomba being very sensible about the way they put things together. It's very easy to swap out the parts. You can do any kind of maintenance yourself. It's all just click out. And then kind of buying the new filters or a new brush, very cheap on Amazon. Again, that can arrive really quickly. And so it's just a really convenient thing. Wow. So we're all about cleaning and grass cutting. I mean, I've got some other smart home things, but I'd like to hear a bit from you, Ben. Uh, so yeah. I, or oh, Prime Day, Prime Day hit me hard oh, this year. Yeah. So 
Amazon had Netgear Arlo Pro 2 cameras for sale, which are the newest, upgradiest, fanciest ones. And I'd done a bunch of research and I knew I wanted some cameras. And because they were so discounted, I got those ones, which would normally have been, I think, just a bit more expensive than I would have been willing to pay. But I think I would say, unless you are willing to go and drill lots and lots of holes in your house, get the wireless cameras. Because where you think you want to put the cameras is not where they work best. So having a wireless camera meant I temporarily stuck it up on the wall for a bit, realized that it didn't give me a good picture or it had too many false alarms or it wasn't convenient or whatever. And so actually I've spent a month or so moving our cameras around until I found places that they were not too obtrusive, not in people's way, you know, visitors didn't comment on them, all that kind of stuff. And then stuck them up. And one of the few places where our property is exposed is the driveway. It's very open. And I'm just sort of slightly wary of people being able to come and look in the property and also the car that we we might have parked outside. So I'd really like to just have one that just watches the car. Particularly our neighbor has just started Airbnb-ing her property and that's fine. She's entitled to do that. But what it means is there's a lot more strangers around. So I just like to keep tabs on that. And so what that means is sticking one camera up in the eaves of our roof line just to look at our car parking space. I haven't got around to that yet because it needs a ladder. So I've been able to take that camera and put it somewhere else for a bit just to to play about with different locations. So I've got three wireless Arlo Pros, all external to our house because they're weatherproof, working really well. There's a slight downside in as much as Arlo has this concept of activity zones. You can go on and draw a box on the screen and if activity if movement happens in the box alert me and if it doesn't ignore it that only works if the camera is plugged into a power supply and since i've got all mine you know sort of attached to trees and things in the garden that's not available so what i've had to do is to reposition them so that the full frame doesn't have things that, that move in them but that's why i've appreciated the wireless because otherwise i would have had to have had them all attached to the house And of course, the best place to have cameras outside the house is not attached to the house. It's pointing back at the house so you can see the house itself. So one of the other things about the Pro is that it also does audio. Has that proved useful at all? Because it kind of struck me as not that necessary. I've turned off all the audio detection. And in fact, actually, I've got some Arlo Qs, which are the wired cameras, which I've just popped on work surfaces in the house because there is a convenient access to power supplies in the house. and. The cues, every so often the wind would blow or the floor would creak or a bit of guttering would sort of move and it would make a noise and it was always triggering those, even though the house generally is fairly quiet. So I've turned off all the audio detection, but actually having audio on the cameras as part of the recording is really good because actually when I played back the Mm. recording, the day that I got a video of a man in my back garden texted to me, and I thought, uh-oh, this is the thing, what's this? What's this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The picture wasn't quite clear enough to see who he was because it was from our, the long-range camera that has a wide view of the whole of the back of my house. But the audio was good enough for me to hear that he was the window cleaner who'd used his ladder to mm. climb over my locked fence because I'd forgotten he was coming. So I really appreciated the extra value of having the audio recording on there, even though I wouldn't use it as an alert. That's in the Arlo Pro, right? Because I've, I've got loads of Arlo's, yep. the first so generation. there's three. There's the Arlo, the Arlo Pro, and the Arlo Pro yeah. 2. And I would say yeah. with all of this, I mean, although it is cross-compatible, I'd say with all of this, 
if you want wireless ones, spend the extra money, get the Pro 2s, and then you've got complete flexibility and high-quality cameras and high-quality images. And the great thing as well is that the wireless, the Arlo Pro 2 cameras, all attached to the same base station. It's literally like they have a private Wi-Fi network. You can have the motion on one trigger the recording on another. So I have a picture of our side gate. And when there's motion on our side gate, it triggers the back garden camera to record as well. So what you get is a nice tight and a wide angle shot at the same time of the same activity. Yeah, They need to be attached to the same base station, but that works really well. Have you had a problem with it? Because sometimes like, I would like to have trees, you know, cameras on trees, but the, the signal doesn't appear to be good enough. I have mine 10, 15 yards away from the back of the house with the base station in a cupboard in the middle of our house and it's two out of three bars. So I did find one place on a, you know, when, when the camera was on one side of the house outside and the base station was on mm. the opposite diagonally, opposite end of the house. But actually we haven't struggled with that. If you do get that, then you can have multiple Arlo base stations. They won't trigger each other, but you don't have to have just one base station. So you mm. could have one on a cable or a, a power line plug or something close enough that's doable. To be honest, apart from the, the activity zones, the only other thing that's bugged me is it has a geolocation mode. Use my phone to tell when I'm home. But there's lots of people living in the house and it sometimes gets confused around whether everybody is out. Because what you really want is record when everybody is out and be off when anyone is in, which is simple Mm. to say, but it gets confused aggregating all that information together. So I've switched it over to use SmartThings. When we leave, SmartThings knows we've gone out and triggers them to be on. And when we come back, SmartThings resets them. And for the Arlo Pro 2s, works perfectly. For the Qs, it keeps losing its configuration. It's, it's buggy. Mm. And I'm tempted to get rid of the Qs inside the house and just have the cameras outside because that's really actually what I care about. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I had the same experience setting it up for family with a kind of buggy geolocation. It also becomes a problem if a member of the family or someone who's visiting regularly isn't in that kind of approved list because they don't have the right phone or, you know, they just don't have one well, at all. Well, that's why I love smart things because grandma and grandpa have a presence sensor on their keys. They have a set of keys for our house when they come round. The presence sensor, the smart things presence sensor works. And for a few pounds, I can have a key ring that does the job yeah. without having to ask them to install apps on their phones. Mm-hmm. And it's true. I mean, the other thing is range definitely becomes a problem when you're going across multiple buildings, you know, when it's like an outbuilding or something like that. I'm probably giving away we don't have too much. Buildings, no, well, this is, this is for family members, this is definitely a problem that I've come across. But also the problems that you're talking about, about the false triggering, it is kind of a Pavlovian problem because as soon as you start getting false signals, people kind of start ignoring them and the value is being alerted. The problem is when you kind of get a false signal. And I spent quite a lot of time doing exactly the same thing as Ben, positioning the cameras in the right place which was great, and I found some really good locations, until the cat decided its new favourite place to sit was right in front of the camera in the garden. And so we're being alerted and sent lots of messages of basically the cat's bum as it sat down in front of the camera. Right now, I have lots of pictures of the top of our postman's head because I've put an Arlo camera next to... We have a sensor in our porch which turns the lights on when there's movement at night. And I've just popped the Arlo next to that. It's nice and unobtrusive because there's just stuff there and you don't really look at it. But obviously the postman coming to the door, 
it triggers it because he fills the frame as he's putting things in the letterbox. For now, I've decided to accept that because it tells us that we've got post. But yeah. we also have, we don't have a cat, but we have lots of neighbours' cats that walk across our garden and we were getting lots of triggers there. But because I've got multiple cameras covering different angles, the wide angle cameras that were triggering falsely because of animals and things, I've turned the sensitivity right down. So there needs to be a lot of movement in that frame. And by playing about with the sensitivity, I felt willing to do that because I had other cameras that were more sensitive on doors and gates. And that blend of wide angle, low sensitivity, specific high sensitivity cameras is great. But I wouldn't have had the flexibility to swap my configuration around like that if I'd wired power supplies in all the places where I originally thought I wanted cameras. And I think this flexibility and also taking the time to get the configuration is a good point. It still feels like it's a bit of a thing you have to play with. And if you're into your smart home tech, that's part of the kind of joy of setting it up. For this to go mass market, that just isn't something that is desirable. But the other thing that comes across is you kind of want it all set up and then you want to leave it and forget about it. And one of the things I do like about the Arlo Pros is the rechargeable batteries. That's actually easier to deal with. And the battery life seems a bit better than on the classic Arlo's. So you're getting up to a year, basically, without too much of a problem. But it makes a wider point about smart home automation. Now, we've taken a lot of pleasure in kind of setting things up and having things triggered on command. But the stuff that's really lasted for me is the stuff that happens automatically. And it comes back to this point we kind of made earlier about being able to delegate something away and stopping having to make the decision. And that's the lights switching on when you come home in response to a presence sensor. Or when you get up in the middle of the night, the lights turning on at 20% so you don't get kind of blinded by them. And all of that kind of automation is the stuff that has stuck with me and been really useful. And some of the other things I set up kind of turned out to be a bit ephemeral and faded away. The other thing was the kind of logging of the coming and going that kind of spoke about both into Google Sheets and into a Slack channel. You know, that power that smart things offers to tie things together, because it's very much the case, the more things you can kind of connect together, the more value and actually the easier it becomes to kind of set things up so it is fully automated and you're not having to issue things. But one toy I do want to talk about that came out relatively recently was the Amazon Echo Spot, which has become a really Mm. great thing to have on the bedside because it really does feel like the traditional clock radio form factor that has the screen. So you can do the drop-in thing with family. You've got kind of an always-on clock and a traditional kind of echo ability with voice. And so while I probably used the voice commands less because actually I've automated more of the stuff I was using it, to happen automatically. I have found myself using more echo skills, particularly with the spot and just doing things late at night or a quick information request in the morning to work out what the status of trains are or weather and having that screen and being able to glance at it. And it has absolutely replaced the radio and the alarm clock in a way I never really expected it to. So we've got a spot and a show, a spot in the bedroom and a show in the kitchen, which replaced a dot and a traditional echo. And you're right, I can't put my finger on one killer feature, but the improvement is so huge. Really? Partly it passively shows the time or the time, so I'm not saying, you know, What's the cylinder tell me what the time is or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, there's passive awareness, I think is the terminology. You know, it's showing the weather forecast all the time. It's rotating round. The one in our kitchen is hooked up to our family diary. So it, that's cool. we have an iCloud family diary from a shared because we're all on iOS. So it's showing all of the, you know, sort of so-and-so's birthday party and, you know, 
the boys going swimming on this time and don't forget the cleaners are coming tomorrow. It's all there all the time. I mean, even silly stuff like it's the recycling bin goes out today. You know, it's just there all the time. It rotates around with the weather forecast. And also we tended to use the Amazon product for cooking reminders, timers. We were setting timers all the time when we were cooking. It was a real boon in the kitchen. It shows you all the different timers and it starts to show you them. A countdown. As they count down. And it's great because I was always saying, God, it feels like that's been five minutes. Hey, how long is left mm. on the timer? And he'd be like, there's three seconds left on the timer. And you'd be like, oh, you know. So that is quite smart. It's really good. You're right, though. It is that passive use of the screen. And also, it works from a distance and particularly the show. You know, it will provide enough supplementary information um, passively, but also when you make a request. So even something simple like, I hadn't really used the Echo for shopping apart from when I'd just been kind of testing it and trying it out, partly because it was hard to work out what exactly you were ordering. But now, I mean, partly they've improved the feature. So when you give it a request, it will look at what you bought before and kind of make an intelligent Mm. suggestion. But also you can have the ability to kind of scroll through a few items and pick the one you want. This is with a show. Yeah, and particularly if you've Mm. got a Prime subscription and you're not paying for delivery, you don't think about clustering things into a delivery. And so with the show, there are some things that I've kind of bought regularly. And it might be something trivial like batteries or razor blades or whatever. And just being able to very quickly go, yeah, yeah, it's that one. And it's sort of that brief interaction. And so I expected to not really use the screen, but it's turned out to get to the point where actually I would like most of my home assistants to have that screen because it's just more convenient. It's, it's quick. Can I ask you a question here? What's better for the kitchen then? Is it the show or the spot? Oh, it's the show. Or the show, else. because you need the size of the screen to be viewable across a large room. The spot works because you put it next to your bed head and you're you know, a foot away from it. The yeah. show, you need to be able to see across the room. Is that what you've got then? Have you both got the show and the kitchen in there? And yeah. the spot in the bedroom. The unfortunate thing is the show is a pretty ugly piece of design. There are oh, now I like the, it, actually. I just find it a bit chunky on the back so it takes up a lot of space on the shelf well we have it wedged into a corner uh so that's probably better i mean there are now the google smart displays starting to come out with the lg and the lenovo ones and they tend to be a kind of flatter screen so i'm sort of looking forward to the time where you might be able to mount one against the end of a shelf or something like that just to slim it down a little bit because i mean one of the reasons it's chunky it's got a pretty big speaker in there and actually it produces pretty decent audio for just listening to the radio or spoken word type podcast. There was a leak today. I suspect by the time this podcast comes out, this product will be a thing. But there was a leak today that Amazon are going to release a subwoofer that goes along with the Echo speakers. Yeah, that's I, I'm on the website. The yeah, that will g- give them closer to Sonos-style mm. music. Now, yeah. we have our Amazon assistants linked to our Sonos speakers, which we already owned. So when you want to listen to nice music, we always do it on the Sonos. But I can see the appeal. Like, you know, we've bought loads of these things for family members because they're so great. And this would be a quick way to add some value to get music and things in. The other thing with the show is when you play music from Amazon Prime, it does karaoke words. So you can watch the words scrolling Well, that's quite smart. I mean, it's a silly little thing, but actually, you know, it's, it's really entertaining. It's, it's great fun. The other recommendation I need to make on this one is we use the shopping list as Rafe does, but we don't use the shopping list to then say, Amazon, buy me the things on the shopping list. We use it then to go to a real shop as a reminder, but it's just a handy way to say, oh, we just ran out of pasta. Put pasta on the shopping list. But I used to link it to Todoist. So everything that went on the shopping list, 
went to Todoist, which is a to-do app. I remember and you, then did, yeah, yeah. you could walk around the shop with your mobile app and, it, you know, yes, I've picked that up. Yes, I've picked that up. New recommendation. Actually, thanks to my dad, who I think will probably be listening to this. AnyList, it's an app. It does two-way syncing with Todoist. It sent you the thing to your to-do list and you ticked it off. But when yeah. you ticked it off, it just left it on the Amazon list. So in the end, I had like 3,000 oh. things on my Amazon shopping list. This is full two-way syncing. And when it gets those entries, it's smart, it knows groceries, and it sorts groceries into which aisle, you know, and which shop you should buy it from. So it's it's really well-tailored. Visually, it's a bit clunky. It's an indie developer who hasn't got a lot of money for fancy design, but it works really well. And the combination of the show saying, hey, show me the shopping list and be able to remove things or see what's currently on there, or when you add something in, see it sort of sliding into the top of the list, and then always having the shopping list in your pocket when you go to the actual shops. I mean, in some respects, I think Amazon probably would make this harder because we're not giving Amazon any money. We're doing our grocery shopping in our local supermarket, but it's so, so handy. We like to be current on 361 Podcast, and we should probably point out that as we've been talking about this, Amazon have actually been making some announcements. So there is an all-new Echo Dot, which looks a bit like it's been sat on at 50 quid, the new Echo Plus at £140. Interestingly, a new Echo Show, which slimmed things down a bit, answering oh, some really? criticism. So I have to go and buy a new one now? Exactly, at £219. And the Echo uh, Sub that you were just referring to, which went paired with a couple of speakers, £239. They've also announced an Amazon Smart Plug to go with the Echo Dot, that which is my 65 quid. So the fact that they're starting no, to really expand... No, there's 24 99 for the Smart Plug. Oh, yeah, so 64 yeah. quid if you then get it with one of the new Echo Dots. Yeah, the fact that they're rolling yeah. out that ecosystem and starting to do more things does strike me as pretty smart. And actually, they really seem to have stepped up the design a little bit as I well. I got a show on Prime Day for £99, which was half price because they're 200 in the UK, but really, really like it. And I don't think I'd rush out and upgrade straight away, but this new display is, it's lost its chin, basically. It's now a full screen display. At £219, it's quite expensive, but it's one of those things where I would say treat yourself because just the benefit every single day is really good. And it's this silly thing of you can say, show me the BBC News, and it will play in a video clip of the most recent news and you can watch that. Or you can say, show me my commute. And there's something very clunky about it saying, the train at 6.20 is running on time. The train at 7.30 is running. Or it can just go a stream of, Yes, 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 no, 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 on all the trains. Yeah, and I've done that for National Rail and the ability to just swipe through a yeah. few things. The other thing I think that they've done recently that's smart is you can basically suppress the response when it says, okay, I've done this, and just have it as a beep. And that does suggest to me that people are kind of starting to normalise the responses to these yes. smart speakers and the kind of the length of the conversation you have to have is starting to come down. I mean, maybe people are being ruder to them, but all of that says to me it's getting kind of more mature. Do you say thank you? I do occasionally, yeah. I do. <laughs> and interestingly, the thing, thing is, the, uh, in the US, the, these are now estimated to be in 50% of households. It is not going to be long before you can probably make a pretty safe assumption that there will be ambient assistance around in most homes. And I think once you get to that tipping point, you know, in the same way that everyone having a smartphone in their pocket, still lots of work to do, still use cases to be uncovered. But I think, you know, we talked about this when it all first happened. We said this is a really interesting space to watch. I'm sure we're going to come back and talk about it again. I think we've focused a lot on the Amazon products in this episode. I think there's a reason for that. I think they're really good. Apple is a long way behind in this area. They're targeting music first. Google are 
trying to do this, but for me, the Amazon stuff seems like it fits better. And that doesn't mean it's a better product. I think it's really interesting that the products now have personalities and you can pick one that kind of suits you in a way, whereas before it would always be about the technical spec. Mm. We're running really over on time. I just wanted to really quickly mention Samsung SmartThings version 3 has just come out in the US. New sensors that are way, way more sensitive. The motion sensors are way, way more improved. All of the sensors all have um, temperature sensors in them. A brand new SmartThings button. Oh, I have wanted a SmartThings button for ages. A really small click once, click twice, press and hold button. And it does something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've wanted to have a button to turn lights on and off in our bedroom when I don't want to wake my wife up by saying, hey, thing, turn off the lamps, please. And of course, I can go through on my phone and go click, 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 click. But actually, for I think 15 bucks, which is what they were charging in the US, it'll probably be 15 pounds sterling. Just to be able to have a few of those dotted around as quick press buttons were fantastic as well. The other thing that they've done is you can now get the smart things built into the Samsung wireless mesh Wi-Fi so that you have mesh Wi-Fi access points around your house. And each one of them is a smart things box as well. So that if you have problems with um, the Bluetooth, Zigbee or a Z-Wave range for any of those things, that works really well. We're using smart things a lot now. I thought it might fall by the wayside when we had Alexa because it could trigger things directly. Sorry, I said the word. But actually, we're finding that it controlling smart things is really convenient, coupled with the geolocation features of turning things on and off when we come and go. So I'm really liking it. I'm liking the fact at the moment as well that most of the stuff we're buying is kind of, some of it's a bit pricey, but it's mostly temporary. I'm not permanently baking it into the house at this stage because it feels like things where you can try stuff out. I think if I was kitting out a whole home with stuff that was baked into the walls, I'd be a bit more choosy. But I'm really looking forward now to getting our lighting switched over. We've got lots of halogen lamps in our place because the age of our property was just before LED lighting became cost-effective. And uh, that's going to come out soon and we're going to put smart lighting in. Really looking forward to that. Oh, and uh, one final thing, Ralph Blanford. Alexa now does follow-up actions, which is yes, when you say, what time is the train? And then buy me a ticket for that without saying, buy me a ticket for the five o'clock train which is handy and feels way more natural. And that, I think, has been announced today as part of the assessment news as well. Quick, before we go, what's your next smart home purchase slash thing you would like to buy if you had enough money, Rafe Blanford? Oh, that's a good question. I'm going to have to take a closer look at some of this Amazon stuff, but I've also been thinking about wiring up sensors to a few more places. Um, so I can answer that. Is the window still open question? There we go. You and McLeod, you've got the Arlo cameras, haven't you? I have. I, I probably, if I was uh, money was no object and I wasn't being too sensible, because I'm a sensible guy, <laughs> I probably have the <laughs> latest. I've got nine Arlo cameras. Nine. So I think wow. I, I, I would uh, slowly upgrade them. And then I think the new smart thing stuff. And then I probably buy a whole load more of Amazon. So I think I'll, I'll be buying some more Amazons. Thank you for your recommendations on the uh, show and the, uh, the spot. Yeah, I say that the new, the new one is great. And uh, I really love with those, when they're not using the cameras for communications, they use it for motion detection. So the screen fades out to a, just a black and white clock. But as soon as you move through the room, the screen comes up into a colour background scrolling thing. So it's, it's really good at um, changing the brightness of the display based on the background lighting. There's features they don't advertise, but it works really well. We really like it. Hopefully in the next 12 months, we'll get our first plug-in hybrid car. We've been a bit laggard on that. Whoa. I'd really like to hook that up so that we can see perhaps the remote charging status or something like that and right. hook that in 
And then it's really been bugging me for a while that we have lots of desk lamps and things on smart things plugs that work brilliantly. I want all our ceiling lights to be voice controlled now so that we can make sure they're turned off. There's a few that we're always forgetting to turn off when you leave the room. So we can make sure they're turned off and also for convenience as well so that you don't have to walk around, you know, click, 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 you know, all the various switches. So yeah, really looking forward to that. And I'm excited nice. that it's getting, it's getting more mature now. The new smart thing sensors are getting such rave reviews about the reliability and the distance they do motion detection over as well. I think that Rafe's turn the lights on in the hallway when you get up in the morning type routine actually could be done far more reliably now as well. Yeah. Okay, grand. Well, a long one, awesome. but uh, it's exciting. It's an easy way to spend a lot of money, but I do enjoy it. And it's stopped being a chore now as some of these things are starting to do their jobs quite well. Yes. Just a shout out for Jamie Holland on Twist. He was just relaying the story of buying a Nest Hello, which is a video doorbell that he's got at home. He was saying he had all kinds of problems with voltages and those sorts of things. Mm. I really was, when I was looking at cameras, was really intrigued by smart doorbells with cameras baked in. I know with the Hello, it will also do facial recognition as well to tell you if it's somebody you know or don't know that's at your front Mm. door. It sounds really cool, but he's warning that a lot of the products that were originated in the States aren't always localised with the right wiring and connections for the UK. So No, this is the problem. Have a bit of a think of that. But also, Jamie, thanks for the mention on Twist because it's stuff I would have never have thought of looking at if you hadn't mentioned it. So if you're not on Twist, come to the 361 podcast website, follow the link, sign up for the community and uh, share what you know as well. And if you're a Patreon subscriber, come in the special Patreon channel. It's just an experiment for this season, but if it works, it's something we'll carry on doing in the future. As ever, you can find us on 361podcast.com. Follow us on Twitter on at 361podcast. We will be back in a few weeks with a new episode. Lots of love. Thank you very much for listening. If you've got any feedback or comments, leave them wherever you've heard this episode. And we'll be back soon. Goodbye. Goodbye.